1: Alrighty, time to talk uh, more cricket. And no, I'm I'm not going to get too bogged down, as I said at the top of the show, in the Justin Langer decision uh, made by him. but also forced into a corner by Cricket Australia. Joining us uh, on the line now is Sam Landsberger, a cricket journalist, and uh, he wrote a really good article today um, about the future of the Big Bash. It was in the Daily Telegraph, and I thought uh, I'd pick up the phone and get him on the show uh, to talk through um, some of the, the changes that might be happening to the BBL. So firstly, very good evening. Sam, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Mate, this time of the year, and we've been saying it for a while. Uh, uh, pleasure having you, mate, actually. Um, the BBL, it, it's getting longer by uh, in terms of games. It's getting longer in terms of the duration of games. The season sort of is stretching a bit too far. Back in its heyday, uh, the popularity was higher. I believe the viewing figures were a lot higher as well. Are we going to see some changes um, for the next edition of the BBL?
0: I think you can take that to the bank. I think we're um, basically going to almost, not start again, but I think everything is is up for debate now. I think there's going to be significant rule changes for next year. I think they're going to, do an economic analysis, on, analysis on, as to see whether expansion is the right call. We could see more clubs planted to come into the competition in the next couple of years and they're desperate to get the game time back below three hours. I think it trickled over to about three and a half hours or an average of three hours and 15 minutes this year which is just way too long for a game of T20 cricket and mm. there's no doubt, which I think the big one is that the um, the length of the season is up for debate as well. We've seen the The 14-round season in place for four years now, I think Mm. that's been the main bugbear of not only fans but players as well who think there's too much cricket being played. And the games probably lose a bit of value given that you can drop a bundle of games and Mm. still make the finals because you only need to finish in the top five. So I think everything is on the table here. And, yeah, I I spoke to Alistair Dobson who runs the competition last week and he promised that they're going to be really bold and, and imaginative to try and sort of recapture... Those audiences, which have started to, to turn off, um, mm. as you spoke about, off the top five years ago, it was there was a real magic in the air about it. You turn on the TV every night, and you know that you're going to be entertained. And I think that's certainly been on the, the decline for some time now. And if they haven't got their heads in the sand. They're going to try and fix it.
1: Well, as I touched on earlier, and and you've you've written here in your article, um, oftentimes a less is more approach works. Um, however, however. We are governed, aren't we, by the golden dollar? We are governed largely across all sports by the broadcast deals and, and more often than not, the bulk of your, your organisation's revenue comes from the broadcast mm. agreement. So I am I right in saying there's still a couple of years left on the current broadcast deal um, and there would be uh, clauses in that deal, I would have thought, that stipulate um, that competition should be no... Fewer than say the current 56 games plus finals I think it is so it's a bit difficult probably to change on the run in the middle of a, a uh, broadcast deal.
0: It's a really good point and I think it's going to be a really really interesting 12 months for, in the, for negotiations between Cricket Australia and the two broadcasters because as you very, very rightly point out they've signed this $1.2 billion TV contract and they've paid for 56 home and away games. So mm. if there are suddenly only 40 games each year and we go back to a 10-round season, are they getting what they paid for? Now, I think there's probably an argument which Cricket Australia might put forward to say, well, hang on, if we put the same amount of money in those 40 games and we yeah. can deliver 40 really awesome games, does that maintain the value? I mean, would the, mm. would the broadcasters save on production costs and, and, uh, and talent costs? That they might be able to re- reach a resolution that way. I spoke to Alistair Dobson and he wouldn't be drawn on that. I think it's a really sensitive issue um, for them at the moment. But I- I've got no doubt that if everyone wanted to align and get on the same page and actually play less cricket, and they thought that they could actually increase the value by playing less games. Mm. Um, But suddenly those contracts don't mean too much. I remember back in 2020 when the pandemic started and the AFL shortened the season from 22 home and away rounds to 17. Mm. Yes, they accepted less money, but they actually extended the TV deal. So they spread the money over more years. So there's certainly ways that you can rewire these contracts on the run. But it, it does get really difficult. So there's two years to go on that deal. So mm. um, to play less games in the next two years, everyone's going to need to come to the party. But there's so many contracts that sit around the BBL in terms of venue agreements and MOUs that um, yeah, a lot of consultation is going to be required. But I, I, the, to put it shortly, I don't think I don't think no is um, is the answer. I think there's a way this can be done, but mm. it's certainly going to be a lot of hard work in yeah a lot of different stakeholders are going to have to come to the party
1: well the current uh, rights holders um and you know who are the current rights holders of bbl is it shared across with fox sports um, yeah, so, and, um and seven yeah,
0: right fox has i think fox has i think 16 exclusive games they show every game and and seven as
1: well.
0: Yeah. So the bulk of them. So, yeah, so seven and fox yeah. So
1: the the selling point, the sales pitch from from uh, the BBL organisers, uh, is this, and it is very much less is more. If they can, if they can sort of almost prove, I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, we can't deliver the fifty six games. We're going to only deliver about forty games, but we believe um, the product. Quality will be much higher and it will attract more eyeballs to uh, to your programming. And there you go. You can sell additional advertising. So that's the sales pitch from them. We'll have to just wait and see. Because um, what we saw this year, what we saw, and I know we had COVID. I know we had players, the English players go home. I know we haven't got the, you know, the big name mm. players that we've had in yesteryear. But it just got a little bit tiresome at the end. And um, the matches really, the bulk of them, a lot of them, were not so competitive. That's uh, that's the interesting part as well.
0: I oh, know from speaking to these guys last week, the, the, the one thing they can't control is the quality of cricket. And it mm. seems like we've almost reached a stage in T20 cricket, certainly in the BBL sphere, that it's that, starting to get a little bit predictable, that there's sort of a, a formula that you would go through to win each game. I think this season, 63% of games were won by the team batting first. Now, that's actually mm. at odds with previous years. I think the highest percentage before this year was 51 way back in BBL01, so so 10 years ago. So um, I think we had, I think, zero run chases over 177, and, um, yeah, there weren't very many successful run chases. Now, the best result for TV is bat first, mate 160, and the chase goes right down to the wire, which is mm. what we saw in that um, preliminary final, the challenger final, when the the Sixers eliminated the strikers. That really didn't play out. So I think the rules are on the table as well. I think the bash boost point will go. I think the Factor rule will go. I think the power surge is here to stay. And I mm. think they're going to get really, really funky and creative in terms of getting, getting that game length down below three hours. Mm. Uh, they tried to do it this year. They implemented a timeout rule, which we didn't even see. um I don't think that's ever going to be seen. That's where, if a batsman isn't ready to face up in 75 seconds, yeah. that the bowler gets um, a free hit and they can basically bowl at the stumps without the batsman being on strike. Yeah. That's never going to happen. No one's going to not get out there in 75 seconds. But yeah. I think next year there's going to be some real strict governance around the time limits of games, so that they can get that game like game length down and. I think those two quirky rules, which have had two years of data now, will go, and they're going to try and really shake this this, this thing up.
1: I'm talking to uh, News Limited journo Sam Landsberger about the big bash league and, and the need. Let's call it a need for change, because I think all the stakeholders, um, they will be nodding, saying, look, we, we do need to, to make some changes. Back on one point you made earlier, Sam, um, about the eight um, current franchises, mm. if you like, increasing. Um, when do you think that might happen? And, and and what sort of regions or areas are we talking about?
0: Look, my strong feel is that Canberra is the best place to become the ninth franchise. I think they've got a great stadium down at Marnica Roval. They've got a fan base which turns up game after game for the Thunder games that are down there. So I think they are very firmly in the box seat. Um, if they do bring in a ninth franchise, I think the other parts of Australia they would look at is final Queensland and the Gold Coast in, in Queensland a second team in WA, and Geelong in Victoria. So I think they're the cities which um, I think they might do an economic analysis on. But I think Canberra, by far and away, appeals right now as, as the leader. Um, as, as for a time frame, I'm not too sure. I mean, th- these sorts of studies, they take a long time to do. Um, you know, Probably the next TV deal would be the most likely. That's me sort of yeah. putting two and two together there. I, I don't think it's going to be next year, but I think this is a year that, they're going to start doing those studies and and having a look at who would who might be the most viable city and yeah logic would suggest that you wouldn't go to nine teams you'd probably
1: go from eight to ten yeah no I was just, that was my next point i think they'd probably go from eight to ten and finally mate um what about the salary cap where is it currently at and then are we expecting changes there as well
0: yeah i i do i think that's going to go up significantly but i think they're looking at how how they do that exactly so it's currently at 1.95 million dollars per club, which, if we're honest, uh, it's not much when you compare it to all the leagues popping up around the world. You can go and play in Bangladesh or all these places and basically earn tax-free money and a lot more of it at the same time for, for less work because they're playing less games in a shorter time period. So I think they're looking at the salary cap mainly in two parts: it's how much do we play the overseas players, and can we maybe increase that that over the salary cap so we can get. You know more, you know Andre Russell back year after year, and more Mm. of these absolute big names, which were bums on seats. And they're also looking at righto, how do we align our salary cap to make sure that the Steve Smith fiasco never happens again, and that if if an Australian player wants to play in the Big Bash, they can. So I think they're going to try and align each Australian player with a club, Um, and it's just sort of, but the clubs don't want to be signing these players and having them chew up the salary cash without playing a single game, which mm. does happen quite a bit at the minute. So I think they're looking at increasing that amount, and it's just a matter of how they structure it so that, you know, one, that yeah, if Steve Smith wants to play, he can, and so we can get more and more of the best overseas players. And on that point as well, I think the overseas players, draft will come in next year. So uh, mm. Rashid Khan, he might be, for example, a marquee player because he's been at the strikers so long. They might have him locked away, but for the sort of the uh, the... Um, yeah, the peripheral international players, I think they'll go under the hammer, not under the hammer, but up to a draft where, mm. um, you know, it might be AFL style, but the wooden spooner gets the first pick and, and they're on from mm. after that.
1: Well, Sam, thanks for your time, mate. You make some really good points and uh, that was the article you, you wrote today in the Daily Telegraph. Appreciate you joining us on Higher Ground.
0: Anytime, Chris. All the very best. Thanks for having me. You too,
1: mate. There he is, Sam Landsberger from the Daily Telegraph. Um, and you might have your thoughts on that as well. The Big Bash, um, is it too long? Has it has it lost some of its sex appeal? Let us know. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six.